0: Hello and welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher. With me tonight is Morgana. And tonight we're welcoming Chad Redding. He is one of the researchers and uh, presenters on the Strange Familiar podcast. And Hey Chad. Greetings and
1: felicitations.
0: Oh, excellent. We get felicitations. Yes, felicitations. It's also
2: just awesome to have you back. Yes. Well, thank you. Yes, it is. It's
0: great to be back. I
1: en- enjoyed it immensely the last time I was on.
0: Excellent. Well, I thought it would be interesting because you said to me not that long ago that winter was your favorite season. Oh, yes. So I thought maybe you should talk about the winter woods and, and why it's your favorite season and what that means for the woods and what that means in a spiritual sense. Mm.
1: Where should I start? Well, two main reasons, and these aren't spiritual or um, of a paranormal reason, is there's no bugs, at least here in the northern section of PA, and there's very few people, because not a lot of people like to go out when it's cold outside for the extended periods of time that I like to. So, that's yeah. The two physical reasons. Those are
0: two. Those are two great reasons. Extremely practical. Yes,
1: yes. I'm a very. I hate ticks. I'm a very practical person. <laughs> I will. I will say this though: you will still get ticks on you in the winter. I have. Oh. I have had them on me.
0: You just ruined my life.
1: Sorry about that. <laughs> And it has to be really cold to uh, take them out. And as as long as you're not like uh, digging in in the undergrowth, it's not too bad of a problem. But mm. but um, when I've gathered firewood and so forth, like been in a, around a down tree and I'm cutting branches off and all that for for my fire, I've gotten ticks on me. So it can mm. happen. It can happen. So, my big thing is mosquitoes. Ugh, I hate mosquitoes. Oh,
0: they're terrible. Yeah. Ugh.
1: None of them in the winter.
2: So,
0: yeah. And they always come after Morgana and I.
2: Yes, they do. They are God's curse upon this land. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are.
1: Yeah, I'm not too particularly fond of them myself. So, I've been lucky. I don't, I don't get a lot of ticks on me and i think some of that is is because i as soon as i get out of the woods i check myself really well change my clothes i don't use any of the uh was it permethrin or any of that stuff i don't use any of that stuff and i just think it's just because i'm just careful so and um i also will wear gaiters a lot too and that seems to help
2: yeah. That would do it. So I was cursed with ticks as a child because I had very long hair. Mm. And you know, you say you don't really have to worry about it unless you're digging around in the undergrowth. And I thought, oh, ah.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> the very thing I do all I the time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because I'm always going after frogs and toads and looking for bones and just picking blackberries and basically getting into mischief as a child. And so there was a time I came out of the woods and my grandma was checking me for ticks and I had 18.
1: Oh, I believe that.
2: And it was awful.
1: I believe that. Yep. I think I've only ever found like maybe five on me. So, but I'm Of course, what you described as your childhood sounds like a typical day in the woods for me and Tim. So looking for bones, eating blackberries. <laughs> and uh, every once in a while, we do look for toads and frogs. So
2: That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm. It makes me so happy to know other adults still go frog and toad hunting.
1: Well, we seem to find them. And we actually had this, some synchros there for a while, where, where it's like everywhere we went, we were finding toads. Like That's cool. at White Rock.
3: Those awesome.
1: Even at the cemetery at Pandemonium, we had one. At an offering site, you know, a live toad. It was just really weird. It's like, why is there a toad here? There's, there's the stream is way, way, way down there. So we had that going for a little while too.
0: Well, if it's if it's damp at all, toads can do perfectly well yeah, without water. That's true. That's true. You know, they don't. They don't. Rec- they're not like frogs. They they require it, but not to the extent that frogs do. Exactly. They they only require it when it's mating time. Yeah,
1: it, just, it was just really weird because it was like way up, way up yeah. on the mountain. And, you know, why are we running into all these toads and all these odd places? So it just was yeah. kind of one of them things.
2: I encounter toads fairly frequently in my daily life because every spring one or two will move under my front porch. Oh, cool. Um. And they make me very happy because they sing at night and I'm like, yay. And they also eat all the slugs that get into my garden because I don't like to use pesticides because I have toads. So, and I have salamanders that sometimes appear under my planters. So, like, I don't want to use pesticides and, like, screw up amphibians' lives.
0: Uh, which you will do with Exactly. Pesticides. They absorb so, everything through their skin. Exactly.
2: So I'm like, okay, we're working together. <laughs> you eat my slugs. You have a nice place to live, and I get to listen to you sing and be and marvel at your awesomeness. And sometimes when my boyfriend and I will go on a meaningful walk where something meaningful will happen, we will stumble across one. And I always take that as like a good sign.
1: I do too. I do too. They're wonderful animals.
2: And they really are.
1: Yes.
0: Although they're not out in the winter very. No,
1: we kind of got very off frequently. we tangented off already.
0: It's <laughs> okay. They, they they hibernate in the winter because Fox asked me, uh, the younger child asked me not that long ago, what do they do they hibernate? And I said yeah, they they dig into the mud and and sleep that's what they do. Same with the frogs. And, uh, you know, that's cool. They, they don't freeze to death. It's okay. You don't have to worry. Did
2: you think they froze to death? He,
0: he was worried about it. Okay. He, he was worried. I actually. I said, no.
1: I actually think they do freeze sometimes. But they can, Some, they can withstand they it. Yeah, out. they thaw out. They can handle it up to a yeah. certain extent.
0: Yeah, some of them do freeze. You're right. And then they thought crazy, you know, that's just that's
1: just phenomenal. You know,
0: I I know that they found the the antifreeze that they have in their blood because they I, I read about this in a science magazine not that long ago that they've isolated it and they're trying to figure out how to how to use that to help humans survive hypothermia. Oh, uh, and- I've, I'm just of the opinion that humans could wear clothes and, you know, not do that. But they're also <laughs> trying to figure out how to use it in space. Uh, that's what, is, what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say too. Which is cool. You know, <laughs> that that use it for is, space. <laughs> yes, they, they plan on using it for space and also for um, hibernation as well. So, you know, the whole suspended animation thing, aliens. And the sleeper shit and all that.
1: And then the wrath of Khan will become true.
2: Yes. Yep. yep. And I'm gonna be good and not yell Khan. Okay, I did it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You have to. I. You do. You Have to. Yes.
1: Okay. You do. So let's let's get back on topic here. Yes. I'll, I'll drive this train back on the, to the tracks for now, and it will, it will go off the rails probably shortly, quickly. So, yeah, one reason I like the woods when it's wintertime, I love hiking in the snow, and I think it's very beautiful, and the quiet that you have. And I feel sometimes, like, when I'm out there in the forest, and I'm hiking along, And especially when you get those times where, like, the wind's blowing a little bit and the snow crystals are kind of fluttering around, it just seems very magical. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like you can still – to me, the other does not sleep. And there are times that in the wintertime in certain places you can actually – notice things more in the woods because you don't have the clutter of all the greenness and uh, some of the animals are gone or they're asleep and you can just be more in tune without, without all that going on in the background. If that
2: makes Mm -hmm. any sense. That makes total sense. Yeah.
0: I think that uh, it it puts monkey mind to sleep a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, instead of every sound distracting you and, and looking up, you know, the, there's a rustle in the trees, the there's crunching over there, somebody broke a stick, there's a thing, there's a whatnot. Instead, it's so quiet that monkey mind just chills out
1: agreed agreed and, and that's what i was trying to say and i've been out there and sometimes i could just feel like the pulse of the mountains you know i've been on long hikes sometimes i'll go i've been on hikes that have been like eight nine ten miles through the woods in the winter time and uh, either with snow or without snow and I think also the cold just makes things more sharper, sharpens mm-hmm. your senses, especially like your sense of smell and all that. And you're just out there and things feel cleaner also to me. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, it, like I said, it puts that other side of your mind to sleep. And I'll, sometimes I'll just sit there. And before I start shivering, <laughs> if I don't have a fire going, <laughs> I'll just sit there and I'll just listen. And, and you all hear things that are just like, just out at your earshot. And they're not woodpeckers. They're not the birds that are always around in the wintertime. I really do enjoy the winter birds, too. Like, I love cardinals. Um, I enjoy the chickadees and the titmice and all those other birds of winter that are always in the woods. But, and the woodpeckers too. But I'll just listen and I'll hear something out at your shot. It's like, well, what is that? And just take a moment and and just try and figure it out. Of course, I don't know what it is, but it's just neat. It's just neat to me. it, Mm -hmm. It just seems, like I said, more spiritual. And you can just see things a lot better, too. That just makes it so much easier, so much easier to see to see this stuff. It's like kind of like when you go out in the summertime, you want to look at the stars, and the skies are more muddled. And mm-hmm. in the wintertime is the best time to look at the sky f- for stars because you can see things better. It's clearer. Mm-hmm. It's sharper. It's cleaner. And that's one reason why I like wintertime so much. Yeah, you know, it's
0: just. Yeah, I. Yeah, I mean, cold air, cold clear air, cold clear nights are the best to, mm-hmm. to look at the sky.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You just also, you know, freeze your butt off, if you <laughs> dress badly, and you know, don't prepare well.
1: Well, that's never a problem. I'm not as bad about that? Yeah, no, that's not a problem <laughs> for me, because <laughs> I yeah. wear a lot of wool. You're sensible. Yeah. I wear a lot of wool. Wool's great for this time of year. That's another reason why I like winter because I, I get to wear wool, and um, and I love it. I just love it. And, and I know I sound crazy, but that's just I just like the feel of it. It does. I don't have a problem with the itchiness like some people do. And I don't know. Nothing feels great like putting a nice warm thick wool coat or blanket around you. So it's it. You can always get warmer. It's really hard to get. Yes cooler so in the summertime you just can't get no matter what you do you just can't you can strip down to nothing and you just reach a point where you just can't get any cooler where unlike wintertime you can get warmer yeah okay? yeah whether you have yeah. to have shelter or start a fire or whatever you do i mean there have been times where i've been out and it's been brutally cold and i've been like why am I doing this <laughs> and I'm, I'm like standing there I think one time we were camping and we were staying in an AT shelter and I had put a uh, tarp off the AT shelter because they knew they were calling for freezing rain and I woke up in the middle of the night and it probably dropped down to 10 and it was freezing and I got out of the uh out of my sleeping bag and my bivy sack and I went to relieve myself and I pushed up on the tarp and there was so much ice on the tarp. It just sounded like glass shattering off. Mm
3: -hmm. And I'm
1: standing there with a beanie and I'm, I'm standing there and it's just, everything's freezing on me. I'm like, why am I, why do I do this? (laughs) (laughs) So even then I doubt my sanity at times, but I still, I still enjoy it. I still enjoy it. I, I always come back for more. And the stories that you see in the woods, too, especially when there's snow, like you can see the tracks of the animals who have passed through. Yes. And you can see some really cool things. Like I saw one time where a mouse was moving along and all of a sudden there was this, it looked like he was picked up by angel wings and taken away. <laughs> and it was an owl that had well, grabbed him.
0: At night, mm-hmm. yeah. I was going to say, was it an owl or a hawk? It was
1: an owl. And it was just kind of cool to see that. And you see all these different stories and you you see what animals pass through and you'd be surprised. But what you see, you're like, oh, I didn't know that this was in this area. And, you know, like I have seen contrary to what the uh, Pennsylvania Game Commission says, I have seen Mountain Lion Prince in the show.
0: So, yep, I think they just. Say that they're not there, so they don't have people going out trying to find them. <laughs> I think they know perfectly well that they're there. I
1: think it's that and a liability thing. Yeah. So if it, if some poor soul does get hurt by one of these things, they can't be like, "Well, you said they were here. You know, why didn't you do anything about these things?" Which you can't, yeah. because they're animals. They're going to come back in and. I think it's cool that a lot of the predators that we had expatriated from the northeast is starting to find their way back in.
0: Absolutely. And
1: I, I don't I don't know why, but it just seems to be happening. And I think it's because there's a shift. There's a paradigm shift going on.
2: So Yeah. I and think so. they belong there. Exactly. Like, we're the ones who punched deeper into the wilderness than we should have been, maybe. Like, we're the ones who pushed them out. We can either coexist, which is what is per- I think is perfectly possible. Agreed. Um, or honestly, we should just let them get on with their business and <laughs> <laughs> stay out of their way. Like, they're there. Part, they're part of the ecosystem. They're part of the forest we are part of the forest in our own way, but we're not like the king of the forest. Like humans like to think we are.
0: Yeah. Well, I know cougars are around because I've seen one that was, I was pregnant with Morgana. So that was, you know, 32 and a half, 33 years ago. Um, and it was in Southeastern Ohio along the Ohio river. Um, he jumped out in front of the car that Morgana's father was driving and stopped and we stopped, he stopped the car and it stopped and snarled at us and then dashed off. And then he started driving again and he said, did you see that? And I said, yes. And he said, did it was a, that was a mountain lion, wasn't it? And I said, "Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, it was. He said, they're not supposed to be here," I said. "No, they're not. <laughs> but we saw one, <laughs> so I took it as a good omen. Yeah, but you know, most people didn't believe us. But still, we both saw the same thing. Well, isn't you know, isn't
1: that our lot in life to not be believed?
0: Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Most people, anyways. Yeah.
1: So I actually saw one in Michaux too. I seen the first time I saw evidence was a track. I was doing a uh, there's a trail that goes through Michelle. It starts at the top end of Michelle at this state park. There's multiple state parks in Michaux. Michaux is a state forest. And the one state park is called King's Gap and it's literally like used to be some rich guy who had a a mansion on top of the mountain. And it's really cool, but there's a trail called Buck Ridge that goes six miles north to south, and it ends down at Pine Grove Furnace. And I was hiking that one time in winter time, and I was going down through, and I was probably oh four miles from the middle of nowhere on this trail, and I saw a track, and I'm like, well, it doesn't look like a dog track and it's too damn big to be a bobcat, and it doesn't have claws, yep. that's a mountain lion. <laughs> yep. So that was the first time. And then the second time, I actually saw one. I was hiking in into a place called Camp Michaud, which used to be a POW camp. It started life as a CCC camp because a lot of the state forests and parks here in PA were made by the CCC which is a civilian conservation corps for those who don't know during the 1930s
0: during the depression it was it was set up to give people jobs yes
1: and there's actually a monument to them up in um, is it Wellsboro where uh, the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon is or Pine Creek Gorge which is uh Nesmok's old turf to them for the work they did in in preserving the forests and all that. A lot of the forests we have in that are the second and or, or third growth forests here in our state forests were planted by them, and then they they made some infrastructure and all that so we could enjoy enjoy the forest. Anyways, it Camp Michaud was at, and then it became a World War II POW camp. that actually held German and Japanese prisoners of war.
2: Wow, and that's fascinating. It's,
1: it's cool. And um, there's still some of the uh, infrastructure left, like some of the buildings and ruins and all that. Some people have had some weird things happen there.
0: I'm not surprised. No,
1: neither am I. It was a church camp then for a while, and then it basically became abandoned. But I was hiking back through there. I was actually going in to gather materials because I needed some uh, tulip poplar bark because they use that for multiple things and it was early in the morning and I saw something running through the woods and the woods there aren't aren't like super thick there's a lot of down trees and all that cause I don't know if you guys ever been in tulip poplar groves but they drop a ton of branches and limbs. yeah yeah they do so it was somewhat open and i seen this this For like an animal running through the woods, and at first I'm like thinking, "Oh, it's a coyote," and then I looked at it. I'm like, as it's running, I'm looking, and I saw this long tail. And I'm (laughs) I'm like, "Oops, that's no coyote. That's actually a mountain lion." (laughs) I just saw, I just saw a cougar. And uh, you know, because you know their tails are extremely long. Nothing else has that. And I was Mm -mm. like, "Wow!" You know, I, I felt blessed. I felt blessed. So whenever these things happen to me. I'm never afraid. Whenever I, I see animals like that, um, I've been follow, followed by multiple coyotes, eastern coyotes. Um, I've had ravens constantly follow me through the woods. Um, actually, I have a set of ravens that has been hanging around here lately, and I always feel blessed by these things when they happen. And uh, I, I. It's just part of the magic of why, of, of being out there. And that's why I just keep doing it because it just, I can't get enough of it. You know, it's just fantastic. It's just fantastic. So I have a question for you guys. Sure. So I like how Morgana uh, perked up. She's like, he has a question. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, you, you, I love how you talk about the woods. And I don't want to interrupt. <laughs>
1: oh, there's nothing to interrupt. It's nothing to interrupt. Feel free to interrupt me. Please don't <laughs> let me rant. But um, what are your feelings on the other in wintertime in the forest? I mean, you guys are, are people or woods folk also. So how, what is it to you guys?
2: Slightly more menacing Hmm. because it's also beautiful because I also really like to be outside at night in the snow is my particular time. I really like to take walks in the snow is like late at night under the moon Mm -hmm. because the whole world turns black and silver and you – can see all of the footprints from all the animals that have come out. Yep. Totally
1: with you on that one.
2: Um, Which is how the, one of the last snows we had here, I actually finally found out where the rabbit that I always see in my backyard lives (laughs) (laughs) because I saw where his tracks came from and I was very, very excited about it. And I, when I walk my dog, you know, he always is tracking things and I could finally see the pat, the, the track lines that he was seeing every day in the grass, but I could see them like myself with my eyes. And it was really cool. Um, I feel like the winter woods are beautiful. But they're also a little more dangerous because from a practical standpoint, you can't see the holes that the snow is covering. You don't know if that ice is thick enough to walk on. You might not find your footing just as easily. And at the same time, it's like a fairy tale because there's all these points of light reflecting off icicles and all the trees have sugar frosting. And I also have the association of winter being the time of the unseelie court. Mm -hmm. So it's the, the court of the more dangerous, like quote unquote, bad fairies. Um, which is weird because autumn is my favorite season. Which is also the time of the theoretical bad fairies and, uh, or theoretically bad fairies. I don't necessarily think fairies are theoretical. (laughs) But they are theoretically bad
0: or good because they can be both at the same time anyway. So, exactly.
2: You know, um, so I feel, I feel like winter is beautiful, but, It's not like you can just walk into the woods in summer with very little preparation and you'll be fine. Exactly. You have to be ready for the woods in winter. Yeah. Like you have to dress appropriately. You have to watch your step. You have to pay attention to how your fingers and toes are feeling. Like you can get yourself into some big trouble in a hurry if you're not paying (laughs) attention in the winter. So I feel like there's... There's a beguiling and beauty and like I think you're right about the air being clearer and sounds are sharper and because there's less animal and plant life going on or what there is is quieter you know it would be more easy to see things but honestly I am not as awesome of a woods person as you are so I'm usually looking at my feet. And making sure I'm not stepping in holes or falling off creek banks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You have enough problems with that in the summertime. Okay, (laughs) I fell one time. (laughs) She's
1: your mother. She'll never let you forget it.
2: (laughs) No, she won't.
0: Most of the time you did it on purpose and that's different. So, because you were chasing a frog or rescuing frogs from the evil raccoons and all the other things that you did that that it was a good thing you were right <laughs> they needed rescuing <laughs> I, um so yeah
1: i think a lot of what you said was true morgana um the forests are very the forests and mountains are very beautiful in the winter time but they have to be treated with a measure of respect yes and one thing I like about it too is like you have that notion that things are asleep and then also with the forest it's beautiful, but death is also very near and you see that reflected in our winter festivals that we have, no matter what culture Mm -hmm. you have, if you have a Northern culture or a far Southern culture that feels the cold, you have that, you know, the festival that of the passing of the old into the new. And you have the uh, beliefs that the death, death is closer than, you know, the veil was thinner. I think that's part of it too. I think, I think the winter and the winter time, the veil was thinner Mm -hmm. because death is so closer. Because if you do go out there unprepared, not dressed right, or carrying the right tools, or God forbid, not having any ability to make fire with you, you are in for a world of hurt. If something bad happens, it's the um, threshold for mistakes is much thinner.
3: Mm-hmm. But
1: with that, like I said, death is closer. But there's also that, and then that's also this is also reflected in our winter festivals, that anticipation of life coming back. That just, mm-hmm. just below that surface, there is, you know, life coming. You know, you have the acorn in the ground. Some acorns actually start to germinate before. I forget which one it is, whether it's the black or the red. They start germinating before before winter hits. They actually start in the, in the fall. So, you know, they got that little green shoot that's coming out and they got the, uh, the root in and it's just below that cold hard surface there there is still life a mouse running under mm-hmm. under the snow you know the toad and the frog sleeping you know there's that anticipation of that springing forth and that's there too because you know you think about it you're like oh it's so cold but you know oh you know this will become the life and yeah and then you have some things that are just hardy such as the winter burrs that are always out there and then your pines and your hemlocks that they never stop. And I respect those trees a lot just because of that. I get so much from them trees or they are some of my favorite trees just because they're always there. They're always there. Yeah. So what about you, Barbara?
0: Well, I think it's, Beautiful, but in a very stark way. I'm like I'm like Morgana. I love walking in the snow at night. My family always did that, and um, I don't know if you remember the 1977-78 was it blizzard?
1: Oh, uh, I was very hit... I was very young then.
0: Yeah, I was I wasn't quite very young, so I was like 12. Yeah, that, that, that I happened. was
1: probably four.
0: Or five. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know the the morning that I woke up and it had hit and was still snowing, my father went to shovel the walk, and the 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 snow shovel just kept going down and down and oh, down man. into the snow. It looked like from the top step, it looked like it was level. Wow. Like you couldn't even see the steps. And, uh, that night, even though it was still snowing and it was cold, it was so cold. We all got, you know, bundled up and we went out walking. We went up, we walked to the state Capitol, which was just a few blocks from our house. Um, and it was gorgeous because there are all of these old trees around the Capitol. That's cool. Old oaks. Yeah. Big, big old oaks. And, uh, it, it was just. And the whole city was silent. And then we crossed the boulevard. And that's when we saw that the Canal River had frozen over. It was completely. I had never seen that. Wow. Uh, my dad had seen it once when he was a kid. Because we lived across the street from where he grew up. So, you know, it was the same neighborhood. And so, you know you could hear the snow. That's all you could hear was the snow hitting and the wind Mm. rattling tree branches. And that was, that was beautiful. Um, But again, you know, it's, it's dangerous. I don't know if Morgana, do you remember the winter that we had the ice storm? Yes. In Pataskala. And you were so disappointed that you couldn't go out in the woods.
2: Yes. Because the branches were exploding. Oh,
0: yeah, that's not a good time to be out. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it but it was, was beautiful. It was like the woods were covered in glass. Yep.
0: Mm. It looked like spun glass. It was remarkably beautiful.
2: Uh, there was but a tornado involved in the storm. there were, then there there storm were and rifle shot, shot sounds constantly once yep. it the, froze the enough.
0: Yep. The tree branches breaking under the weight of the snow and the ice. That's
1: cool. That's
0: whole. Yeah, it was it was gorgeous. We had all of these huge windows in our living room that looked out onto the snow and the ice and the woods and the creek. The creek was frozen. And it, it was under the moonlight, it was amazing. I wanted to go out so badly. Morgana wanted to go out. Zach wanted to go out, and we were all like, nah. <laughs> We're not, we're not, mm -mm, no, because we just kept hearing the, the big branches break and fall.
1: Yeah, that's, Um, that's never good.
0: (laughs) It's, it was, it was super dangerous. And then the year before that, Morgana and I went out to cut some evergreen branches for Christmas. And that's when we saw the, the um, tracks of the, of the cougar out in the woods And we were bending over to look at it. So, you know, here, here we are looking like quadrupeds leaning down, looking at it. And she was like, mama, is that a, is that a dog? And so that's when I, you know, used the, that moment to teach the kid how to tell the difference between a dog and a cat. Dogs paws are pointy. Yep. And cats are very round. And I measured it with my fist
2: and, and that was, was the, when she was like, Okay, we need to stand up right now. <laughs>
0: yep. Because it was wider than my fist. And I do not have small hands. Yeah. <laughs> for for a woman, I have very, very large hands. i I have hands like my dad. So, you know, I make the fist and go, and see, they're round like, oh. Oh, and I put my fist down next to it. I said, Okay, stand up, please. Yeah, this is not a bobcat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, Stand up. And then we we saw the scratch marks where it had uh sharpened its claws, like a couple of trees up from where we were. It was way too tall for it to have been a, a bobcat and it was just like whoa. Oh,
2: oh, and then wow. I couldn't go in the woods again for another couple of days and I was very cross.
0: <laughs> Certainly not by yourself. I made you take the I I, finally I You let did you let me go if I took Nanika. Yeah, if you took the big one. You got to, you got to go with the big husky.
1: That was definitely a, a, a better choice <laughs> of going than going yeah. by herself.
0: Yeah. And certainly bending over <laughs> and then looking, oh, that was bad. Yeah.
1: Very, very bad. And you won't hear them coming either. They're dead silent. They're dead silent. Oh yeah. That one, yeah. that one I saw running through the woods made almost no sound. I mean, yeah. I heard almost nothing. And I was like, unless that was a ghost cat which I don't think it was, it, it yeah. was dead silent. I was amazed at how quiet it was. It was, it was crazy, crazy. Yeah. One of the things yeah. I, I am a child of winter cause I was born in the winter time. I was born in January. So I am definitely a child of winter. Every time, Same. every time, every time my birthday is it, it snows. <laughs> and that's awesome. that week, it's really weird. It's really weird. One of the things I do for my birthday is always go hiking and The one time I went out and there was no snow. I Always remember this trip I actually documented. I think is this was one I document on the YouTube channel Is I went to this trail. It's the uh, Tuscarora Trail. It's one of the wilder trails that comes off the uh, the AT and It's northern end, the terminus where it ends on the on the north end is on the Blue Mountains Uh, across the uh, I think it's the Cumberland Valley Mm -hmm. And I went up to the one I it's probably about oh Maybe a 30-minute drive from me so the AT is like really close to me. I'm blessed where I'm at and I decided I was just gonna do that section of the Tuscarora just on a day hike. well I drove up there and it was cold in the valley, but as I got up on the mountain it was cold and there was mist in the mountain and when i started out and this this trail is incredibly rough it could be really really wild you can barely tell, tell where it is at times and i was going to the shelter that i wanted to see that i saw on the map i was going over just boulders and they were covered in ice oh and the mist the mist had frozen on the trees and made hoarfrost
0: oh uh, cool. that's beautiful it was,
1: One of the almost awesome trips I did, it was just beautiful. Like you could see the horde frost and the rocks. It's treacherous, but well worth it. And then when I got to the shelter, the shelter was built on the side of the mountain, and overlooked out, and the the way it faced out was overlooked out. And I just, I couldn't see too far into the, into the valley because it's all, (laughs) it's all misty. And, and foggy and all that, but it was so beautiful. It was just, it was so awesome to just see like the hoarfrost frost hanging on the trees and, uh, that mist and it was well worth the, uh, danger, you know? Yeah. And did it by myself, but yes, I had to write gear for the job and, uh, I've done a lot of trails like that in the winter time and, you know, just made sure I had to write gear <sighs> and knew, left people know, where I was going and so on and so forth. But that was, that was a really, really cool trip. So if you ever, ever see horror frost, that's, that's just like one of the best, one of the best.
2: I have never seen it. Oh, you haven't? I've only seen pictures of it.
1: So cool. It's like, it was like ice crystals, probably like an inch to two inches off of every branch of the trees. That's so cool. It was, it was phenomenal.
2: Yeah. That's magic. That is. Yes. Yes. Like that's magic. Yes. Yes. <laughs> See, I, I've,
0: I have, uh, seen snow as magic forever. Mm-hmm. I agree. To me, it is magic. It is the essence of of magic because it it changes everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, ch- it changes the environment completely. Mm-hmm. Everything gets quiet. You know, sure. I know why. You know, because it muffles sound. Yeah, science. Okay, that's great. Well, and but it's it dances. Magical.
2: It dances too. Like, it is the yes. only precipitation that dances as it comes down.
0: <laughs> well, raindrops probably dance. When yeah, they but come it doesn't down, look but, as. But cool. it's not as cool. No, you know, it's just not, not as interesting. And
1: everyone's different. Yeah, and every snowflake is different, which is. Just blows your mind. It just makes you wonder if, like, throughout time, ever since there's been snow on the earth, has there been one time where, where it's repeated?
2: <laughs> I know. It makes you wonder. I always wonder that. If there's
1: just been one time where it just repeated.
2: But, and, like, all the other snowflakes were like, don't tell
0: anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, I feel like we would never know anyway. No, we wouldn't. You know? So, we wouldn't. so they, they probably do repeat, but it. You know, again, oh, it's magic. It yeah. doesn't matter. It's it's beautiful, and it reflects light like little prisms, little miniature prisms. Yeah, so that's that that's what I was saying. You get these rainbow flashes that come off of it.
1: That's what I was saying it's earlier. When you have this, the wind will pick them up during the day, and you'll see them. You know, they'll go through a beam of sunlight, and then you get that little kind mm-hmm. of sparkle effect. Yeah. I always like that. And then I've actually seen that in moonlight too. And that's really cool. Yes. that's I love that. That's rare. You know, it's harder to see that you got to have the right conditions of that fluffy soft snow that, that the wind can pick up. But I agree with you in that. And then snow is magical. It also makes it easier to just go places. You know, you can go places in the winter time that you can't in the summer because it might be more, overgrown it makes it easier to go off trail you know you, you do have to probe and make sure that you're not gonna your foot's not getting it swallowed by an unknown pit <laughs> or something like that yes but um <laughs> it does make it easier you can go places that you normally can't go in the summer because of the of the undergrowth and, and yeah. you can see much more um i've seen more lights in wintertime And I don't know if that's because of the undergrowth or there's actually more activity. I don't know that answer. I will say the lights I've seen in the wintertime are different than the ones I've seen in the summertime.
0: How are they different?
1: Well, I've seen when we, me and Tim did the uh, winter solstice hike and we were up on, white rocks trail and we were looking down into that valley where there's nothing in there it, there people don't live in that valley it's just a mountain valley and I was seeing orange points of light dancing around and It was not a fire and they would come together and separate I've never seen orange like that except in the wintertime I've seen white lights in the summer I've seen the red lights in the summer but I also see more blues in the wintertime too and the glo- and the lo- globes I've seen are bigger. So the mm-hmm. the lights I saw from up on that ridge on White Rocks Trail, they had to have been the size from the based on the distance because I know th- I know that area well, and the fact that I can see based on what the distance I know how far that was, estimating roughly, you know, it was at nighttime, they had to have been the size of basketballs. These these wow. orange globes. I mean they I literally took pictures of them and they would come together and separate and then it started out as two and that was four and then they would come together again and you'd have six and it was it was insane. I'm like these things are massive. They have to be massive.
0: How far off the ground were they?
1: <sighs> I get You got to remember I was looking at these things from almost probably a half mile away. Right. So I can't really say I can't, you can't. I can't really gauge that. No, I can't gauge that because it was at night. I was on a ridge looking down into a valley,
2: right? And, yeah,
1: and I could see into through the forest because you know the, the leaves were down, but these things were huge. To to have, I mean, from from my point of view, they were probably oh, I wouldn't say ping pong ball size, but they weren't pea size neither. They're probably almost like lima beans or a little bigger. Which, okay. From that distance, that that
0: is huge. That's huge. Yeah.
1: So you're talking something. You know, they were probably the size. If I was standing by them, they probably would have been the size of basketballs. That's that's what they. Those look are like. impressive orbs. They yeah were probably the biggest ones I've seen from a distance. And and then of course they harbing they were harbingers of the two red. I don't want to say they were eyes, but whatever they were, they looked like two glowing eyes. I'm not talking eye shine, glowing red eyes that came from the ridge that I said, Tim, we need to go. (laughs) So, and, um.
0: You had no desire to go see what that was, did uh, you? No,
1: I did not. Nope. Good for you. That's that. Those I weren't. I was. Not.
0: Don't play with that. I was
1: pushing (laughs) us to go into the valley, but, um, when I saw the red eyes come up from the AT because this trail joins we were slightly lower than wherever the red eyes were they were on, on the hillside above us at the old halfway point of the AT and that's where I had had my encounter where I had something scream at me growl scream at me and I knew when I saw that and then Tim saw it I'm like yeah we need to go we, this is not it's this area is no longer for us anymore so yeah. no, I was not going to go up there. Yes, I I have Good. the reputation of going after stuff and chasing stuff, but <sighs> I am a I am a light chaser, as Phil has said. But um, those I was not messing with.
0: <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I've seen all colors of lights and I've seen them in every uh season Mm -hmm. and so have i but i've only one time did i see them all as one color and it was in the winter Mm. and it was one of the few times zach has seen them and we had people over at our house it was probably january and this is when we still lived in athens the first time so it was about mm, 23 years ago or something um, we had people over for dinner and one of them was this man that we had met where we worked. He used to take notes. We, we had a, we worked at a copy shop that also did uh, note taking. They, you know, pay somebody to take notes in a class and then type them up and then we'd make them available for people who subscribed to them. And uh, professors hated it, uh, but whatever. And uh, so this this man turned out he played violin, and he was a very good violinist. He was really into the whole uh, sort of gothic kind of folk, sort of dark folk sound. Um, he did. He was classically trained, but he liked to play folk music and. He could do some improvisations that were just amazing. He'd just play stuff off the top of his head. And he had heard us talk about the lights, and he was like, I bet they're fairies. And I'm like, well, I, A, let's not say that word, and B... Don't call that yeah, shit they, down on us. <laughs> they probably are, but you know, we don't want to talk about that. And he was like, I want to go out and play violin for them and see it, how they react. And um, he's, he. I was like, well, you know, come out for dinner sometime. And he inveigled himself into an invitation. And I think we had six or eight people out there in addition to him. And there was snow on the ground, and it was bitterly cold. Just one of those times when the snow had gotten... Turned into ice, and it was just just so horribly cold. And it was a clear night, so the moon was out and the stars were out. So it was beautiful. And in this house, we had a huge deck in the back that overlooked a hill just covered with woods. And this was not the falling down the hill house. This was the hobbit house. You, re- we you called read it that my because mind was...
1: because I was going to ask you that question.
0: No. It was half underground... So we called it the Hobbit house. Interestingly, Morgana almost got to rent that same house a few years ago with her housemate. And it would have been hilarious. I was (laughs) looking at the pictures and I'm like, grass run road, huh? Oh my God. We used to live there. <laughs> That's why it looks familiar.
2: No, instead I rented another very strange, very Athens house in the woods. <laughs> yep. Where there were lights and a possum that could get in the hole in the kitchen floor. Nice. Yep. Yes, was, we named him. What did we name the possum?
0: It, it wasn't Guildenstern. I don't remember who what it was.
2: We named it something and now I can't remember. I'm sorry, I interrupted you.
0: That's okay. No. It was an interesting aside, and that was an interesting house. Um Aren't they all? So I made stew. <laughs> yes. I think it was venison stew and bread, and we ate, and we had a good time. We'd been drinking wine. And Zach played Native American flute. Still does. And he plays guitar, too, but he, he it was too cold for him to play guitar. He was not touching metal strings out in that mess. Oh, that sucks. So he he took his his flutes out. And uh, the violinist grabbed his violin, and we all went out, stood on the deck to listen. And he started playing, and he played that violin just on and on and on and on for about 10 minutes. He was sweating. He was playing so passionately, so into it. And it was crazy music. I mean, it was, it was, you know, Celticoid, Norwegianish, Paganini. I mean, he was throwing all kinds of stuff into a blender and it was, it was gorgeous. But, you know, it, it was just ecstatic. The woods did nothing. The moon was out. It was beautiful. The snow was sparkly. It was beautiful. It was really cold, but you know, we still were all like, wow, that's cool. And, and nothing happened. Huh. And, and he finally just exhausted himself and he's like, I can't keep doing this. And he, he just sat down in, on the snow and was just like, Oh, I can't, I can't even, I'm so tired. And Zach went out and he turned his back to the hill and he started playing flute to the moon And he was playing for about five minutes. And I saw a spark of blue up on the hill behind him. Like, almost like somebody lit a lighter, you know, except instead of yellow, it was blue. And then the entire woodland lit up blue. It looked like somebody had gone out and strung Christmas lights in all of the trees that were the most gorgeous, brilliant blue. And everybody was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, and you know, one of our friends was like, what did you put in the stew? <laughs> did you put shrooms in the stew? And I'm like, no, because heat kills that. And no, I would never do that. It would ruin the stew. Because those don't taste good. Yeah, they taste awful. And... <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're just like all of us, and we're all whispering. And Zach turned around, and opened his eyes, and kept playing. And they just got brighter and brighter, and it it went on like that for another five minutes. And he finally stopped playing, and he bowed at the the woods. And
1: you taught him they, well. Very
0: slowly, <laughs> they, they, and they 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 just faded. They just faded <coughs> out. And you know he's funny. You know how Tim always says after you've seen the lights, after a while, your brain tries to tell you it didn't really happen, and you kind of go, "Did that really happen? Did I? Was it that impressive? Did I really see that? Were they that color?" You know he talks about that, and yeah, we do Zach second, second for guess ourselves at times. <laughs> yeah, Zach for a while was like, you know, maybe it really didn't happen. Maybe it. It wasn't really that, you know, that special. It was just a few flickers of light. And I was like, no, dude, the whole, like, the trees all lit up. So I actually, you know, called one of the friends who was there. And I was like, dude, can you please tell Zach that, you know, what it looked like? Do you remember? And he's like, oh, yeah, I thought you put shrooms in the (laughs) stove. And we were all having the same hallucination. I'm like, okay, see, tell him. So that was that was the only time I've ever seen them all in the exact same color and all flash on at the same time. That's cool. That's cool.
2: About you? I have never seen that many at once. You haven't? No. I think the most I've seen at one time has been five or six, maybe eight. I didn't count them when I was a really little kid when I saw them at the falling down the hill house because I have the I have the memory of looking out my bedroom window with Misha in the window hissing <laughs> at tennis ball sized glow soft globes of light in like purple blue white green yellow just like right on the other side of the glass just floating silently and Misha having none of it <laughs> Yeah, she she didn't appreciate that. Well, and she's probably why I didn't get fucking changelanged. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's, that's why I'd let you sleep in that room by yourself, because I knew she'd stay with you. And, and that cat safe. hated me every other second of the day, but once I went to bed, the cat was on the foot of my bed and stayed there till morning.
1: That was her job.
2: It was her job. Yeah. She knew that. Yep. Yep.
0: She's a good cat.
1: She didn't really didn't hate you. She just was hurting you the whole time. You think yeah. she was hating you. She was actually guarding you.
2: <laughs> That's true. She probably was. I was also she was just very old and grumpy. And I was an extremely exuberant small child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although I was very good with animals. I wasn't a kid who would like poke at them no, you and were- things. I, I respected animals' personal space. No, you were
0: always very good with animals. She just was grumpy. You know, she was
2: grumpy with everybody else too. That's true. I she was just half my size, so I was a little more. Yeah, she was big. I was a little more nervous about the grumpiness.
0: She did look like the pet cemetery cat. But she so. really
2: did. Yeah. Um, That's a big. Cat. And I saw lights. Yes, she was a large gray cat. And she lived for to be the ripe old age of 20-something. 20 wow. 22, I think. Yeah. Um, she, she was
0: an awesome cat. That's cool.
2: Yeah. I also don't tend to see the lights in winter, although two winter solstices ago I did. And that was the first time I saw them in winter. Most of the time I see them in spring or autumn. Were they de- I don't tend to see... Oh.
1: Uh, that's Okay. I interrupted you. Were they different than the ones that you saw in spring?
2: Yeah, they were bigger. They were bigger. Um, Usually the ones I see in spring and autumn are ping pong ball sized, roughly golf ball sized or like little sparks. Um, And the ones I saw in solstice were like softball sized. Those were
0: the things that were spinning around
2: weird. Yeah, those were the ones that were spinning in the circle that were blue, white, and red that I started walking, to- that I saw, and they were like literally at the edge of the strip of woods that runs by my house, and which is like right on a public road, yeah. um, and they were right at the edge of the woods halfway up the berm that goes up to the meadow um, that leads to the park.
1: That's one thing I've noticed, not to interrupt you, but I just, I got to get this train of thought out before lest I forget. The ones in winter seem to be more active to me. Um, the ones I see in the summer tend to be more lazy. Like they just kind of drift through the woods. Yeah. And the ones in winter that I've seen are more active. Like the ones on white rocks, the big orange ones I saw that, you know, they were moving. The other time that the most that I saw, like the the sheer amount of lights, was the first time I went to um, Site 7. And that was on a Mm -hmm. rainy February day, or evening, I should say. And it was like a rock and roll light show out in the woods. Just with the uh, what looked like almost like beams of light, but they were the size of car beams, but they weren't car beam lights. And they were coming down literally crisscrossing, you know, like in a rock show, they'll have the lasers will cross each other.
3: Yeah. It looked
1: like mm-hmm. that, but it was coming down the Valley towards us and it would just keep doing that over and over and over again. And then you'd have like lights moving around, you know, balls lights, probably the size of softballs or a little bigger moving around in the woods sections of the woods lighting up. A lot of them were light or white, but we also saw red and blue. And then you had what I call like a blue shimmer, which is almost like an underwater effect, like it's which is really weird. You'll see this blue shimmer out there too. Huh. And then we had mm, h- that is
0: interesting. It,
1: it was wild. And then you know, and then it build up to a crescendo where I actually had whatever it was, like kind of like go like right at my shoulder, and that's when I said I'm out, I'm out, I'm done. <laughs> you know, because it kept building and building and getting faster and faster. And then we had hiked in the time that we hiked in it was in may when when we took john in and we hiked in and john and they were coming up to us they were smaller they're more like pinpoints i think the biggest ones i saw were the size of ping pongs and they were just kind of drifting around so i've noticed that i don't know if you guys have ever noticed that or not
2: I mean, that meshes with the lights I've seen. The ones I saw in winter were like flying in a circle so fast they were blurring. Mm -hmm. And then I was walking towards them because they, it was, I was mesmerized almost. I was fascinated. It was like, what are these lights? Like, I was looking, it almost looked like if somebody had like, glow sticks and was spinning them at a rave. It was going that fast, but there was nobody there. Exactly. Like there were, there were street lights. Like I could see that there was nobody standing there.
1: Oh, that's wild.
2: Like, and so I'm getting closer and closer and I got about six feet away from them before I came to my senses. (laughs) And brain said, don't follow the lights. And I went, what am I doing? If it is by some bizarre chance a human who's managed to hide themselves really well they're trying to lure you to stab you or kidnap you or something and if, if it's, it's not, not, you're not they're luring you, luring you <laughs> <laughs> uh, to do god knows what so don't walk into them so I immediately stepped backwards and when I stepped backwards they stopped spinning and shot off in all directions oh that's wild and I was just like, okay, I'm gonna go back inside now. <laughs> and that's one of those one of those instances. Because this was right by my house. This was like yeah, two houses away from my house, essentially. Yeah, it's, it's like really I could see close. my front door the whole time. That's crazy.
0: And and you you listen to that and you think about it, and it's like, what do you classify that as? Is that a UFO experience? Is that ghost lights? Uh-huh. Is that, uh, I don't know, fairy lights? Is What are those? And, and that's when you go, wait a minute, those lights are in all of these things. So, you know, I guess it's choose your own adventure as to what those lights yeah, are. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think of, when I think of UFOs, I think of what me and Tim saw at the lake. Yeah. And what I've just seen, like, a couple days ago when I took the dog out and they're bigger they're they're farther higher up in the sky so if you're looking at them you see them at a you're looking at them at a distance and you know they're huge. Yeah to man. me those are UFOs um, the ones in the woods are I don't know if they're the same thing. I have no idea I don't know what this stuff is um, they're they just seem of a different it's I have a feeling that's the best way to describe it. I have a feeling they were of a, of a different make or different kin if, yeah. if that makes any sense and then you now whether ghost lights or fairy lights were are the same thing i don't know but go ahead Morgana. i feel
2: like i i agree with you i feel like they're different from ufos and i almost feel like the little lights are from here Mm -hmm. Like they're from, they're of the earth, not like the UFOs are necessarily from another planet, but they, those feel a little more unearthly to me. Gotcha. Like all the lights feel magical and strange and like the other, but the little lights, and maybe this is just because I've seen them like my whole life and I've only seen UFOs like five or six times. Um... But they feel... I'm trying to figure out words. (laughs) (laughs) The other is hard with words.
1: (laughs) That's why we call it the other, because there is no words to really describe it.
2: Yeah. They feel more a part of the trees and... (gasps) The grass and stuff, like they feel like they come out of nature somehow to me.
1: I agree.
0: I got a uh, message on Facebook from uh, a listener. And this is as good a place as any to to talk about it. In fact, because you just basically gave me an opening. You segued
1: right Um, into that beautifully. You (laughs) just
0: jumped right in. I'm um, just looking it up quickly because I hadn't thought about it until just this minute. Yeah. Okay. So somebody wrote and said, you know, I, I've listened to you talk about the lights. You know, they're almost always near the woods. And he said, what if they're tree spirits like in Japan? the kodama the the little spirits that come out of and back into the trees and are the essentially the animist soul of the tree like a dryad and they're like a dryad they're also forest guardians protectors but if you've ever seen the miyazaki film princess mononoke the way miyazaki shows them he shows them as these probably about seven eight inch tall white glowing humanoids that are they're basically human shaped you know two arms two legs generally two eyes sometimes mouth and a head but they're a little bit off they're a little bit blobby and they change shape as they move and they're a little bit strange and I was like, you know, that's as good of an explanation as any I can come up with, is that's what those are, is that they're, they're tree spirits, because he's right. They almost always show up around trees. So I am wondering if I start thinking of them as Kodama in my head, if the little Miyazaki critters will start showing up,
2: Which would be awesome, because they're awesome. They're really cute and awesome and cool and everything about Miyazaki's art in that movie, just makes me so happy, and it's it's gorgeous and magical and in, it's enchanting. It really have you ever is. Seen it,
1: no, I Chad? no, I have not.
2: You would like it.
1: You <laughs> what's that? What's it called again? So I can remember. It.
0: Princess Mononoke.
1: Okay, I think I can remember that. I do watch some it... anime, so I'm not like completely ignorant of anime.
0: <laughs> well, this is this is like amazing stuff it's it's really really beautiful and it has a it has a message that i'm i'm sure you will groove with so
1: cool i'll check it out i'll definitely check it out but n- that is a good way to th- to describe it um i do think that the lights do have to do with the trees and nature in general but then i kind of think of everything as having a uh, Living force, as I've described that before with my story of the uh, piece of wood that would not burn. <laughs> so yeah. So to me, even rocks, you know, when they're in their environment, which is below below the ground, not in our our oxygen environment, they're alive. Mm-hmm. So they might be just different spirits of different things.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I think each. I think trees have their own. I mean, then you get into trions and and uh, you know Tolkien stuff here, but <laughs> um, tree beard. But um, I do believe uh, that plants can express themselves in ways that we don't fully understand. I mean, if you look at the the old, um, when did they do the aura photography? That-
2: oh,
0: Curly in photography yeah. back oh. in the 60s and 70s.
1: Yeah, where they would take a, a leaf and they would do a, um, a photograph of the aura. And then they would rip a part of the leaf and then they would do the photograph again. And it would show where the, the part that they had li- ripped away was still there. So I do think that trees, trees especially, because to me, trees are like the ultimate plant form they all yeah. they all express things in ways that we don't fully truly understand and then when you, and then when you look at a tree and you look at a forest in general there's this whole interconnection when you start mm-hmm. looking at mushrooms and mycelium and all that mm-hmm. and these trees and everything is all interconnected in ways that we don't yep. understand and
2: and they communicate
1: yeah they do they do and i think we're seeing maybe some of that communication going on that could that could, that be. could be I mean I, I'm just theorizing here because you know I don't know
0: <laughs> well I love that that um, fungal mycelium essentially in addition to the roots of the trees that connect each other together the mycelium from the the mushrooms will connect mm-hmm. trees to each other. And it's a symbiotic relationship and that there is information that is passed back and forth throughout an entire forest. Oh, yeah.
1: And and, and that's what I was getting, it, getting at. I, yeah. And then you have some um, forests that are all one organism. Yes. Um, what is it? The elder box bush can yes. be a whole forest unto itself and it's all one organism. One organism. I think there's a couple miles from here. There's an elder box bush forest and it's over a thousand years old.
2: That's amazing. And it's
1: all one giant elder box bush. Like it looks like multiple, yeah. multiple uh, plants, but it's actually the same plant that's just sprouted up and sprouted up, sprouted up. And it's thousands of years old.
2: That is a place that if I went to visit, I would bring a present for it. <laughs>
1: yeah because yet it's it's within like an hour's (laughs) drive i haven't gone to it yet but it's on my list so but and then you have these uh pockets of hemlock trees that are just ancient Mm -hmm. and trees like i said when i say they're like the ultimate plant form because they're old they're so old yeah and i love seeing old trees in the woods and i know i've said this the last time i was here but I love seeing old trees in the woods because they just they, they know so much and and I feel you know the lights are an expression of that you know and in the wintertime you see different lights because I think some of the you don't maybe don't see as many and you might see different lights because some of the trees are asleep.
2: That makes sense yeah maybe it's the evergreens being like all right it's party time everybody <laughs> else is, mom and dad are asleep <laughs>
1: yeah we asleep. have the whole
2: forest to ourselves
1: right. right and it's it's you know it's just how the cycle works of things
0: i like that the um the woods the the redwoods in northern california are it's, it's, it's amazing to watch humans interact with them. Um, when Zach and I went to Mirror Woods, it was, we were in the parking lot and there was a bunch of tourists and they were all chattering and jabbering and loud. And we were like, Oh no, this is going to be terrible. You know, cause just loud. And we went into the woods and because those trees are so large and there's so much, they have barely any undergrowth because of course there's very little sun that can get to the forest floor because you have these gigantic trees that look like something from middle earth. They're just huge. And, uh, but the, the, the forest floor is pretty much covered with their needles and then with the, um, the ferns that can sprout up and can grow without, you know, light because they don't have any and moss it's all moss ferns and and the matter from the trees bits of bark and and things like that so it's like snow it dampens sound uh-huh. so that's part of it and and you know that because when you go in and you hear the birds it's it's much quieter than what a bird would be in say our Appalachian woods, our third growth forests, you know, the piercing sounds of a sparrow are not very piercing in there. (laughs) Um, But what was fascinating was it wasn't just that the woods themselves were dampening sound. It was that people were in awe, even the most jaded, citified, ain't never been in the woods before people just were hushed. It was it was really interesting to watch. And it, it was like you stepped under the canopy and these people were just suddenly, everybody was whispering. Like it felt wrong to speak aloud. And nobody was raising their voices. You know, nobody was shouting at their children. Children slowed down. That was another thing I noticed. They didn't go... You know, running helter skelter like you would expect a child normally to do in a woods. They didn't do that. They they stayed next to their parents, and everybody was quiet. It's it was quieter than going to church. That's cool. It was weird. It was amazing.
1: Uh, it's not weird. It's it's well, no, no, I shouldn't say it's not weird. I'm sorry. I didn't mean, mean to say that.
0: <laughs> well, no, it, it's it's weird because. I mean, I would be quiet naturally. There, yeah. You would be quiet. Morgana would be quiet. Um, but you know, your everyday city dwellers you, you, you didn't. I didn't expect them to be quiet. After all the noise they were making in the parking lot, I really didn't expect <laughs> them to be quiet. But they were.
1: When I said that, when I said it, it isn't—it's isn't weird. It's because I've experienced that before, on a small scale because I've seen some really old ancient trees yeah. and it wasn't so much awe for them. it might've been awe because they've never been in the forest before. It just seemed right to be quiet.
0: Mm-hmm. It,
1: it was a sacred place, a sacred space.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, when I, when I go to dark hollow, which I have yet to get Tim there because it, I'm trying to get him there. It's just a, you go in there and these there's these old, really old, the the most largest tulip poplar I've ever seen. I can't even put my arms around it. They don't get that big. Huge.
0: No, generally not.
1: Huge tulip poplar, huge white pines, huge hemlocks, just massive trees that that were not cut by the charcoal, by the people who did the charcoal up there because that was all forage area. And you go in there and it's just like, wow. And everybody I take in there is completely blown away. And I went in there, I've only been in there in winter twice. Now I've camped there. And I went in there in the wintertime and I took my, my neighbor. It was me, my neighbor, and my son. And me and my son have been there numerous times, and we went in there just for a day hike. And it was snowing and it was so beautiful. And we walked in there and my neighbor was like completely quiet. And I said, how does this feel? And he goes, this is a spiritual place. Mm -hmm. And he he just, and this was a pastor. And he's like, this is, you know, he normally goes, you know, he goes to church, you know, preaches and all. He's like, this is a spiritual place. And I said, you can't put words on it, can you? And he goes, no, no. And it's also a place that's very active, you know, interact with me a lot. And it was just, in the wintertime, it was different. It definitely had a different feel. And, and that's an, another thing, too. The forests are different in the wintertime. And I just think it's, it wasn't menacing. It was just quiet. And I heard stuff going on. When I say stuff, I'm not talking animals. And, um, <laughs> and I knew what was going on. And, you know, it, it was slightly different, but it was more just a kind of like, I'm here, hi, you know, letting you know. But I'm, I'm going to be just a little more quiet right now because it's just not, you know, it's winter. But I also think you can hear stuff more and pay more attention to that. So, but that's cool, though. I, that's cool that those people were like completely in awe. At, uh, that blows me away. I'd like I hope that's on my bucket list to see, too.
2: (laughs) Oh, it's so beautiful. Same. I want to see all the trees. I want (laughs) to go to the Amazon. (laughs) I'm terrified of so many. I'm terrified of giant centipedes, but I don't care. I still want to go see a rainforest.
1: I don't know if I'd like that because I'm more of a temperate guy and I hate the heat.
2: (laughs) I know. And I worry about that. I worry about that because when I'm in Miami in the Everglades, it's amazing. Like, cause I've gone to the Everglades national park. It's when it's a super cool experience, but I feel like I'm reaching for something that isn't there Mm. when I'm there. Like I, it's like a really sharp homesickness mixed with like a spiritual confusion I understand because it's not my ecosystem. no mm-hmm. And I'm like subconsciously looking for the my trees, looking for the kinds of trees I'm used to, looking for the animals and the the hills, and you know, waiting to hear bird song that I know. And it's completely different. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I love going. If you get a chance to go to the Everglades, you totally should if you haven't been. Because you will be two feet from an alligator that is eight feet long. <laughs> and he's just chilling being king of the swamp.
1: That's cool. That's cool. Um, I, I've been to South Carolina. And I've been close to them, Yeah, so. they
2: got gators yeah, too. Yeah,
1: they got gators there. And then they, they I asked them, because it does get somewhat cold down there. Cold, relatively speaking, for them is like... 60 degrees yeah. 50 degrees and I said what do the gators do and they said the gators just lay in the woods they don't hang in the water they come out of the water and they lay in the woods and they'll just the the leaves will fall on them and stuff like that and they just lay there in a top in a turper yeah which is yeah. kind of wild to think about <laughs> walking through the woods there's this alligator just laying there what the heck <laughs> you know? time to go
0: <laughs> Not stick it around for that. No. Nope.
1: No. But uh no, that is I think you're right. We each I feel like I'm tied to this Appalachian ecosystem too. Um maybe the northern woods too. I I don't know, like I'd love to see the the Colorado mountains. All those mountains out there, but I I don't know if I'd would want to stay there. Yeah, because I don't think it would feel right to me.
2: Yeah, like I love visiting the ocean mm-hmm. because it's wonderful. It's wonderful to see the Atlantic. It, you're you're at the ocean. Mm-hmm. Like it's amazing, but I get homesick really fast. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I don't like the beach too much. I'll go down. I'll go fishing. I'll enjoy it for a day or two, but after that, I'm ready to come back to the woods and the and the mountains and the hills.
2: Yeah, it's
1: definitely, definitely where I prefer to be in all seasons, but winter time especially.
0: <laughs> so. I'd all like right. to see the Pacific Northwest. So that would be yeah. That's a that's a rainforest. Yeah. It's just a temperate
2: rainforest. So. That
1: I would like to see too. Plus, yeah. plus that's the home of Bigfoot. It's yeah. Exactly. Everybody knows so he there.
2: So, has got to go there <laughs> and I'll report back from the Amazon. <laughs>
1: if I go to the Pacific Northwest, I have to take Tim with me because he will never forgive me if I don't take no, him.
2: No, he won't. <laughs> no,
0: no. You got to take him. There's no way around it. <clears throat> but you can't take Josh Cutchin because then you'll never see Bigfoot. <laughs>
2: Probably
1: not he
0: says he he says he has a, a an ability to keep Bigfoot away
1: <laughs> I've never met Josh but I've just heard stories that he's kryptonite to to the other so yeah I don't I don't know what, what, how to speak on that one I won't know until I'm actually around him. I mean, it's only a matter of time
2: yeah, yeah
1: so I, yeah. I know when we were at the bridge with Soraya... That was uh, quite an interesting experience. Me and Saraya were peeing off one another. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was wild. It was wild. So I'm going to do something a little different here.
2: Okay. I'm going to
1: read a poem <gasps> yeah. that really catches the, um, uh, the feel of the winter to other woods in the winter time, uh, specifically Pennsylvania. This is by, um, Nesmuk, George Washington Sears. One of the guys who I look up to even though he's long since dead one of the ows as I call him Which means old woodsman? And this is from his book forest runes And it's called New Year's Eve in camp And it says mercury below, below zero northwest gale That's part of the title So I'm going to start reading now The winds are out in force tonight the clouds and light brigades are charging from the mountain tops across the Everglades. There's a fierceness in the air, a dull, unearthly light. The Frost King in his whitest crown rides on the storm tonight. Far down the gorge of Otter Run, I hear the sullen roar of rifted snows and pattering sleet among the branches hoar. The giant hemlocks wag their heads against the midnight sky. The melancholy pine trees moan, the cedars make reply. The oaks and sugar maples toss their frozen arms in air. The elms and beeches bow their heads and shriek as in despair. Scant shield tonight, for flesh and blood, is feather, hair, or fur. From north to south, for many a mile, there is no life astir. The gaudy jay, with painted crest, has stowed his plumes away. The sneaking wolf forbears to howl, the mountain cat to prey. The deer has sought the laurel break, her form the timid hare. The shaggy bear is in his den, the panther in his lair. From east to west, from north to south, for twenty miles around, Tonight no track shall dent the shroud that wraps the frozen ground. I sit and listen to the storm that roars and swells aloft, watching the fitful shadows play against the rustic roof. And as I blow an idle cloud to while wow the hours away, I croon an old-time ditty in the minor key of A. And from the ember beams a face most exquisite fair, the maiden face of one I knew, no matter when or where, a face inscrutable and calm with dark reproachful eyes that gaze on me from limpid depths or gusty autumn skies. And there may be a reason why I shun the blatant street, to seek a distant mountain glen where three bright waters meet, and why I shun the doors of men, the rooms alight and warm, to camp in the forest depths alone, or face a winter storm, or why the heart that gnaws itself will find relief in rhyme. I cannot tell, I but abide the footing up of time. That's the end.
2: That's I really awesome. like bad.
1: I felt that poem really caught the reason why I go in the woods that wintertime.
2: I think so, and I could see the woods a lot more clearly now mm-hmm. that you've read it. So, well, shall we end there and not ruin the perfect mood of that poem?
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> I think so. I think that's good. So that poem is New Year's Eve in camp. By George Washington Sears, otherwise known as Nesmuk.
0: Well, thank you for coming and and talking with us. Oh, thank you, Chad. Um,
1: not a problem. I I enjoyed it. Always enjoy our uh, talks. And I hope I it's... hope I caught the essence of the thing.
0: <laughs> you did. <laughs> it's always good to talk with you too. So.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. You're welcome back anytime as always.
1: Okay. Maybe I'll have to come around when spring comes.
0: Yes.
1: There uh, you go. <laughs> so we'll talk about the woods in spring or Yeah. There you go. We, we kind of did touch on it a little bit, but why not? So. We
0: All can right. talk about ramps.
1: Yes, Ooh, we can. Oh, Ramps. I like ramps. And morels. Oh, so no. I've never had morels. I've never been one for mushrooms, but I'll try them.
0: Oh, they're good. I'll try them. They're tasty. So they're... Well, thank you again. Oh, not
1: a problem. And thanks for having me. I guess we'll see you guys sure. soon.
0: Yeah. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you.